Welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. I'm Bridger Pennington, and today I'm going to talk about the ups and downs of running a fund. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around, and now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it? With no investors and without an Ivy League degree, this podcast is going to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. All right, so today I want to talk about, and a lot of you on here know the ups of running a fund. That's why you're on here. You see the guys making tons of money in private equity, venture capital, hedge funds. But I want to tell you today a little bit more about my story and the downs as well, and the weight and pressure that you feel when you're managing other people's money. Um, it's it's not a, not to be tread lightly. Um, so we're going we're gonna to talk through all that today. And I'm sorry, people have commented on how I spike the audio like crazy or go really quiet and you can't hear me. So I'm going to try to do better to keep that. But man, sometimes it feels good to yell. So we're going to be up and down today. But so my story starts out as a kid. My dad was an entrepreneur. I didn't really know much of what he did. I knew he grew up. He grew up in the ghetto, North Las Vegas, went to a second tier school and was just an entrepreneur, just a cold blooded hustler. And he started a jeans company. He all, he did some trading. I mean, any way to, to put food on the table for us kids, which I, looking back, I just can't believe how much he worked and how hard he worked. And eventually my dad, um, as an entrepreneur, he eventually started to fund. And I'll tell you about that story in just a minute. But uh, as a kid, I mean, growing up, we would we went through very lean times and very, I guess, more normal times. But my mom would come to me and say, hey, you know, the next couple months, we can't be going out to dinner. We're not going to be going to the movies, nothing. We got to really save and, and scrap. And so we did that. And that's the life of an entrepreneur and life of an entrepreneur's kids is that. And that's what I grew up in. And um, finally, I, I was uh, getting a little bit older and I talked to my dad. I said, dad, um, I'm, I want to get in, into business. I want to be an entrepreneur like you. And, and you know, what do you suggest? And he'd give me lots of advice in my life. And my dad's a fantastic mentor and coach. And, but he said though, I, he's like, I think you should go over and meet with one of my partners. He's really good at real estate and does really well. So go up and go and meet him. And I, you guys, a lot of you guys have heard this story on previous episodes, but I went to this guy's house and it was this beautiful house. I walked in, it was like a palace. It was white and like 20 foot ceilings. And had a pool in the backyard, basketball court in the basement. I was just like, just stunning this house. I walked in and sat down with this guy. And this, dad, this guy was my dad's business partner. And we started chatting it up. And uh, I just asked him, I said, how do I get that, this? How do I get from here to there? And he looked at me and he said, Bridger, I've done lots of business in my life. And there's lots of ways to make money. But one of the most effective and scalable ways to make money in this world right now is by starting a fund. And I was like, what's a fund? And so that's when I started to learn about what a fund was. He started to walk me through. So you grab money from investors and you put it into a limited partnership. And then you use that money to deploy that capital into real estate, into Forex, into trading, into buying other companies, whatever it is. And then you can reap the benefits without actually using your own money. And it's in a fund structure. So the, the richest people in the world to do this, all these guys on Wall Street, these hedge fund managers that are worth, worth tens of billions of dollars, all do this. 
And he said, this is the secret of the rich. This is why the rich families always send their kids to Harvard and Stanford and Yale or whatever. And they want their kids to go into finance and work and eventually run a fund themselves one day because they, they know that is a secret of the wealth. And so anyways, and, he, and I, I was just amazed about what he taught me here. And then he said, he said, you know, <laughs> you're, me and your dad are partners. And I said, yeah, but you obviously make way more money than him. I mean, we, we live in this kind of medium-sized house. My dad drives a crappy car with a dent in the door. I mean, it has 300,000 miles on it. And he goes, you know, me and your dad make the same amount of money. And I was like, what? Are you kidding? And I was like, no, like you're, you gotta be lying. He's like, no, honestly, we are 50, like we are 50%. Like we both make the same amount of money. And I was like, no, I mean, this guy was driving. He had like a really nice car. I mean, he had everything, right? Like boat, car, pool, bass. I mean like everything. So I run home, like dad, like, well, you've been lying to me my whole life. Like, no, he's like, I just live a little more conservative a life. I don't like to spend as much. I like to save and invest and like a true fund manager. And, uh, and it turns out my dad's been running an amazing fund and I didn't even know it. I mean, I grew up very average. I, I worked hard. I always was paying for my own gas bill and, and car and had to pay for college and all these different things. And, um, looking back on that, by the way, I just so grateful for my, the way my dad raised me and my brothers. Um, when he could have raised us a lot of different ways. That's a side note. But um, so then my dad helped me. I, I said, dad, I want to start a fund. I have this opportunity. This is a few months later, but I had an opportunity at work where they needed money and this, the, they needed to fund some of their clients. And I said, this is a perfect opportunity for a fund. And so we, we stepped in and I said, guys, I can start a fund. I told the, the owners of the company, guys, I can start a fund and solve these clients that are all cash flow poor. I can solve their problems. And he said, really? So we sat down, we organized this fund and I, I go home like, dad, I have a great idea for a fund. I have no idea what to do next. And so he sat me down. He said, okay, Bridger, if you're really getting serious about starting a fund, the first thing you need to do is read through. And in a fund, you have your two main documents. Your governing documents are called your LPA, your limited partnership agreement, and your POM, your private offering memorandum. These are essentially the Bible or the constitution of a fund and you get to write the Bible, which is the coolest part about a fund. So he said, Bridger, you need to read through these documents until you completely understand them. He said, you're probably gonna have to read them 10 to 15 times. And he handed me the stack of papers and it was huge. The LPA, I believe, was 49 pages and the POM was 88 pages. And that's not like 88 pages of Harry Potter. This is 88 pages of deep, intense legal documentation talking about random SEC compliance codes and different laws in Delaware and Alberta and international investors. I mean, it was very intense. So I sat down and said, okay, fine, I'm gonna do this. And I had a gap between um, work, kind of my summer, I'd had like a summer internship kind of thing and I was working part-time and then that between school. So I had time for about three weeks before school started at college. And so I seriously, I woke up every day, went to the office, just like the office in our house. I was, I was living at my parents' house because that's how I was just scrapping for money. I woke up, read, I was drinking, I just drank water and read all day. Ate lunch, read. Ate a little bit of dinner, read. Went to bed. Woke up the next day, read all day. And I did that for three weeks straight. Um, a couple of times I slept on the floor in that our little home office. And finally, because I was so confusing me, I had like a dictionary open Googling these documents, trying to figure it out because these these this was so, and I'm like, why is my dad having me do this? And I'd ask my dad questions. He's like, no, just look back at the documents. You just read it, understand it. And he would help me here and there. And finally, I started to understand. 
about the ninth time I read through, I was like, wow, this okay, this is starting to make sense. Okay, here we go. And then I started to look, oh, that references this section. I started to understand these legal documents a little bit better. Oh, this is how they're structuring it. I asked my dad and I figured out the actual questions to ask. And so my dad finally said, okay, I think you're ready. Um, you finally understand. And I, I had a good understanding of these documents of of what was going on in a fund. And what I've, I realized and figured out is what a lot of things I teach in this podcast was actually from those three weeks of deep dive into these legal documents. My dad actually sent me more documents from other funds so I could read through their LPA and POM and, and have access to that. So I read through this and I and we finally got together and structured our fund and we put together, you know, we're not going to charge a management fee. We're going to do an 8% pref, meaning the first 8% goes to the investor. We're going to do a 2% catch up, meaning the next, you know, the ninth and 10th percentile come to the fund. And then above that, we're going to split 80-20. And we are toying with the idea of doing maybe an 80-20 split, meaning 80% goes to the investor, 20% comes to the fund, up to maybe 25% returns. Then above that, we'll split 50-50 on those returns. Um, and if that's going way over your head, it's okay. Um, look at a previous podcast, Bones of a, a Private Equity Fund. That will walk you through in more detail about what I'm talking about. But that's how we structured this fund, this first fund. We call it an 80-20 fund. So essentially, first 8% goes to the investor. The next 2% came to the fund. So on your returns for a year, then if, if, you know, if we got a 10% return for the year, the first 8% would go to the investor. The next ninth and 10th percent would go to the fund. Now, if we only had a 9% return, 8% would go to the investor and only 1% or the ninth percentile would come to the fund, meaning we didn't make a lot of money that year. And so the investor should get paid first because they're risking their capital. And that's how you incentivize investors. And I'm going to do an episode and actually I'm going to record it just a little bit. I kind of stack my episodes when I record, but we're going to talk about how to pitch investors. That's one of the biggest thing is to structure your fund the correct way to incentivize investors. Um, anyways, we get this set up, the strategy, we put this into legal documents and I had understood these legal documents so well these hundred something pages that I was able to go in and actually edit the pieces that I wanted to change. Um, We did that, I did a red line and I actually took that to a lawyer and said, hey, we're almost done. And uh, I used a template for these LPM POM, used a template and I put my information and said, it's almost there, can you just help verify everything? And so typically, this is a huge barrier to entry for starting a fund, most fund managers or wannabe fund managers don't start because it costs thirty to fifty thousand dollars to set up these two documents. I mean, it's an exp- it's expensive stuff to get started. What I did though was take a template, I filled out everything I knew how to do, and then took it to a, a lawyer, and they filled in the gaps and only charged me uh, I think twenty five hundred bucks because they most of the work was already done for them. And they said, oh, well, this is pretty good actually. Uh, we're just going to tweak a few things. We're going to add a paragraph here, take away this paragraph. And it was a lot cheaper than doing the conventional 50 grand from scratch. I'm going to write you some legal documents up. So anyways, we get that going and it's exciting. I'm excited. We get the fun launch. I get a few investors. We just invested just, it was very close, like family and friends, kind of people that invested. Um, And we filed the SEC and we get launched up and uh, actually, excuse me, our our first fund was just part, there were just partners in the business that the previously I told you I pitched our company their owners, the owners wanted to invest in the fund to help monetize the clients, which is great. So myself and these five inv- five owners of the company or five investors put money in and uh, we um, we started doing loans and it was awesome. We're going and going and going. And one day I come in and I look at the accounts. 
And I'm like, something's not right here. And I kind of drill in a little bit more. I look in and I'm typing. And I'm like, why? And I started adding up different. And I saw a wire leave our account that I didn't do. And I was the fund manager. I'm supposed to be the one that does all the wires. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And I saw another one from two months ago that had slipped past me for, I think it was like it was like $1,000. I was like, where is that? And so I call up one of the owners and it was, it was a substantial amount of money. I won't tell the exact amount, but I call up one of the guys that were one of the investors that could have had access to these accounts. And I was freaking out like, oh my gosh, I have somebody stolen a substantial amount out of our bank accounts. So I call him up like, what's going on? And uh, we're freaking out. And uh, turns out one of the, these partners at the time had taken money out of our our bank accounts to pay for, we had a partnership with this company, but to pay for their employees' payroll. And it took me a few days to figure this out. That's what they had done. And um, in their minds, they were just like, oh, we're just pulling out our, our investment for a minute and we're gonna pay our, but we'll pay it back. And I had a previous episode about Bernie Madoff, right? This is how it always starts, is something like that of, oh, we'll pay it back or we're gonna make it up. These guys pull out money. And I call him up in a rage. And I said, I said, sir, I won't, I won't say any names on here, but I said, you understand what you've just done is fraud. And that's against our LPA and POM. And I said, I know all of us are friends and investors and we're all partners here. We, we didn't really open it up to other investors, but I said, still, you have to abide by the rules of the fund that you signed. And that is, that's fraudulent behavior according to the SEC. And he said, well, I know, but come on, we had to pay our employees and stuff. And I said, no, that's not okay, actually. It's not. I said, you need to return that amount of money by next week or we're going to have a serious situation on our hands. And he said, okay, well, and he, he worked through it, got me the money back. Thankfully, um, it worked out because I didn't know if the company was going down. If they're missing payroll, I mean, you don't know how close this company is to, to bankruptcy or whatever. And I didn't really know the health of these owners that I was working at their company for. Um, and that's when it really hit me of, wow, that's a lot of money on the line that, that, um, can be mismanaged very easily. And I had to really take a look at myself and say, am I the type of person that's ready to actually manage other people's money in a fund? And I, I for sure was, was not, not ready to work with, with these partners in this fund anymore because they had kind of betrayed our trust. And I still liked, they're still great people. I just, some people running a fund just can't handle having that much money sitting in a bank account waiting to be deployed only for investment opportunities. It's not for your mom's cancer. It's not for your other company's payroll. This is for your investment opportunities, which you say in your LPM PPM. And I talked to my dad about this and it was, I was grateful to have my dad there to walk me through because he'd had similar situations in the past where um, partners that had done not things like that, but other types of things. And uh, we walked through it. And so what we did is we closed that fund, opened up fund number two and restructured everything. I was the only owner of that fund. I said, I'm going to run everything. This is my show. And just because I do not trust partners right now. And so, and it, or at least if I have partners, I am going to be the one overseeing and signing off on the bank accounts. Uh, because some people, when they get that much money in front of them, do, do things they would never imagine to do before. Um, and that was a, man, that was a low point of running, running my fund. Um, 
but as we, you know, we, we restructured, I got new investors. I only got instant. I said, I'm only taking accredited investors, which are people that take over, make over $250,000 a year or have a million dollars net worth besides their home. I said, I'm only taking accredited investors. meaning these people have money. Um, before we had non-accredited investors and I said, that's it. So I kicked out a lot of people. I said, you can invest. I had friends and other people. Hey, I'll give you 10 grand. I'll give you 20 grand. I said, no. I only want accredited investors and they're gonna give me a minimum of X amount of dollars. And so I knew by doing that, I had, I intentionally kicked out a ton of investors because I did not wanna deal with the you know my buddy that's gonna give me five grand. He's gonna be calling me every Saturday saying, hey, how's the five grand doing? You know, what's going on? Can I get my five grand back? I gotta pay for my washing machine broke. Can I pay for that? And I'm gonna say, no, you signed your contract. You're gonna give it to me for a year or four years or five years. Right, so you just don't. That's a side note, but you do not want to deal with non-accredited investors um, because the money means way too much to them. And if one thing goes wrong in their life, they need it back. When I switched to only taking accredited investors, um, a few of my investors—I won't name names or anything—but they are making, besides me, on their other accounts and other businesses, they're making well over ten million dollars a year on what they're doing outside of that. So if they lose an investment with me, they understand. That's how investing goes, and it's not that as big of a deal. I haven't lost some money yet, which is great. But if I did, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I ruined, you know, their whole investment account, right? Because they are the type of people that can handle that, and they're not calling me every Saturday, and they they don't even think about their investment with me because they have so many different investments around the world. That's the type of investors you want to have. So. That being said, though, there still is for me a huge obligation to manage this money well to do take take good care of it. And a lot of a lot of the stuff I, I talk about comes from the Bible and it, there's a great parable. I don't know if you're religious or not, but this applies to everybody. It's a parable of the talents of a servant was given one talent, a servant was given um, three talents, I believe. I'm trying to quote it off, off, the, off the cuff, but one was given five talents. And the one with five talents turned it into 10 talents. The one with three talents turned it into six talents. But the one with one talent buried his talent and uh, the Lord was mad at that that servant because they did not use and, and manage essentially their money well and manage their talents, whatever you want to say for talents well. But I think of that with a fund directly. How did you manage what was given to you? Did you go and hide it? Did you, were you fraudulent with it? Hopefully not, but were you a good money manager? That's something you need to ask yourself. Am I the type of person that can handle having that much money and still make correct and sound and principle decisions even if your wife has cancer or even if your kid's going through chemotherapy or even if you just got in a car wreck and you could really use six grand out of your fund and it's just a little bit, nobody will know. Yes, people will know. Um, I'm on this I'm on this tangent from, from uh, just seeing fraudsters around and, and reading on more and more articles of fund managers that were caught up in fraud. And listening to this podcast, you're already on a good on a good path of training yourself and training your mind to be able to manage having a half million dollars in your account sitting there ready to be deployed into real estate. And that money is only for real estate. If you get a great opportunity that comes up in the, uh, I don't know, Forex market, you can't put your money in the Forex market unless your LPA and PPM say that. You have got to put it only in real estate. You just gotta say, sorry, our fund doesn't do that. I turn away so many investments that are actually probably really good investments with my fund because I get people that call me all the time. Hey, Bridger, you got money? You want to put money into my my uh, brother-in-law's real estate deal? We're building the office. And I say, that sounds awesome. Um, but with our fund, I can't do that. Maybe my personal money. 
uh, I can do that, but not with a fund. So, um, but the ups and downs of running a fund are, are big and it weighs on you uh, a little bit, the more and more money you have. Now that weight though gets lifted when you have principles and, and investing strategies that you stick to. And then it becomes the most exciting thing in the world. And when I talk about, I've talked about this before, but when pitching investors, having that confidence and your strategy, that's what this comes from is when people give you money, you are so confident in your strategy, whether it's Forex, whether it's real estate. Um, those are the two big ones I see, whether, you know, it could be trading, it could be doing loans. Like I do, I do a lot of debt loans. You're so convinced on the strategy that it's so easy to pitch investors. It's, and it's really fun to manage money because you get to become more than just you are at my level. Just me, I could invest, um, you know, one, one hundredth of what I could do with a fund and I could make one, one hundredth of an impact without a fund. Right. I tell a lot of real estate investors, yeah, you guys can play in the 150, 200 grand house flipping space if you want to, or you can play in the 20 million to $50 million real estate flipping space. Same amount of work. You decide where you want to play in and the returns will reflect where you want to play. Anyways, that's today's episode. Love you guys. Peace. Yo, if you're just starting out, you probably have a lot of questions. That's awesome. I want to hear them. So please go to investmentfundsecrets.com, submit your questions. And if I like your question enough, I actually want to bring you on the show with me to ask those questions live to me. And I'm going to bring on another investment fund manager to answer them for you. So if you're interested in that, please submit a good question on the website. Again, that's investmentfundsecrets.com. See you there.